Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. so glad you're here as we are here this is christmas sunday sunday before christmas and we're glad we get to uh, celebrate sing these carols these songs together these songs of praise and worship together this morning want to remind you and invite you once again to join us uh, f- uh, friday night at uh, christmas eve our christmas eve services at uh, 5 30 and 7 o'clock uh, on Friday night for Christmas Eve. Hope that you'll make uh, plans to, to include one of these Christmas Eve services within your family's celebrations on Christmas Eve this year, 5.30 and 7 o'clock. And want to mention to you, I, forgot, I failed to mention out loud last week, but it's kind of been around, but want to make sure you know that next Sunday, one week from today, uh, Sunday, December 26th, uh, we're going to have one service only that week. That's been our tradition for 12 or 13 years now. The Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, we have one service. Uh, we have kind of a family service. Uh, we give all of our youth uh, our children's workers uh, a Sunday off uh, the ghost heroes down there who are working tirelessly week after week to, uh, to to teach our preschool and our elementary age groups uh, we're giving them a week off let them celebrate the, the holiday season as well so one service only next Sunday morning and I hope that you will be here at 1030 next week to worship with us next Sunday speaking of our children's ministry uh, there's a lot of great things happening as, as Kara has gotten kind of into the swing and she's here full-time now a lot of wonderful things happening downstairs in our children or faith faith kids ministry Uh, but one thing is that we are ready to bring back and we're excited and some of you parents i know will be excited about this we are ready to bring back our nursery and so we're looking uh, at a target date of january 16th that's the sunday right in the middle of january to reopen our nursery we'll open beginning at just uh, as we begin just in our 10 30 service Uh, but in order to do this you guessed it we need some help we need some of you who would be willing to uh, spend an hour uh, rocking babies uh, for us uh, we'd love to get a team of at least six people so that way you're not doing it every week eight twelve people is even better you're doing it once uh, every other month or so at that point uh, we would love to hear from you so if you're interested in rocking some babies beginning in january see me after the service see kara she's wearing a nice green christmas sweater day you can't miss that she'll be downstairs after the service but as you check your kids in you can talk to her about how you would be willing to serve in our nursery area and in our children's ministry in general maybe rocking babies isn't for you but uh, you love uh, three-year-olds we can talk there's a place for you in that in that place to serve as well so we would love to talk to you about that and get you plugged in and find your place of service in the church as we uh, bring just open up that next level and uh, keep opening things back up uh, here at faith christian so thanks in advance for your uh your willingness to participate and help us in that welcome home we've been celebrating home and uh, I, I don't know if there's a season of the year uh more so than Christmas it reminds us of home. It was good to see one of our young men who um, is uh, in the military now. He's home today. He's here at church this morning. We're excited to see Caden. And uh, it's, it's something about home and Christmas kind of go together. And so we've been talking about home this fall. We've been talking about family. And here in the month of December, very specifically, we've been talking about Jesus's family. And we've been looking at Jesus's family tree as it's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1, the beginning of Matthew's version of the Christmas story, is kind of boring. It's just this long list of names. It's not that exciting. Names that are hard to pronounce. Names that we've never heard of. And before we jump back into Matthew 1, which is what we're going to do this morning, before we jump back into Matthew 1, let me give you another name. This is a name that's not on the list in Matthew chapter 1. 
But let me give you a name that you've probably heard of before. You've probably heard of this guy before, especially a name that has become pretty synonymous with Christmas. And the name is St. Nicholas. You've heard of St. Nicholas before, right? St. Nicholas is the historical person that gives us the basis for the concept of Santa Claus. St. Nicholas lived in the 4th century in a place called Mira in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. That'll give you kind of the part of the world he lived in along the Mediterranean Sea, kind of the part of the Roman Empire, part of the center of the world here in the 4th century. He was a bishop, St. Nicholas. Actually, he was just Nicholas then. He became a saint. Nicholas was, was, was a bishop in the early church. He'd grown up in a wealthy family. He was generational wealth, so he was a man of means. And he would, get this, you'll recognize this story, he would give gifts away to people in need, oftentimes by leaving those gifts anonymously in the middle of the night. You see where our Santa Claus tradition comes from. Well, in the year 325 A.D., so this is, think about this, about 300 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, so just a, like three centuries later, around 325 A.D., Nicholas is invited to a meeting of church leaders from around the globe, around the Roman Empire. And all these church leaders gather together to have this really, really important discussion. The purpose of the meeting was to discuss the person of Jesus. More specifically, they were asking this question. Should Jesus be the center of everything? And there was a bishop in the room named Arius. Arius was from Egypt. And Arius, his mentality, his philosophy on Jesus, his take on Jesus, was that Jesus was just another good moral teacher. Or maybe a philosopher. But he didn't believe, Arius didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And so Arius wanted to kind of remove Jesus from the center of our faith. Well, all of the bishops are sitting around in this council, and they're listening to Arius, patiently listening to Arius go on and on and on about his philosophy, his, his kind of take on Jesus. And the legend has it that St. Nicholas, sitting in the back of the, of the area, is just kind of getting agitated with Arius. As Arius goes on and on and on about how Jesus is not the most important, Jesus is not the sinner, and St. Nicholas's blood just begins to boil at some of the things he hears Arius saying until finally St. Nicholas has had enough. And St. Nicholas gets up from his seat, walks up to the stage where Arius is droning on and on and on, and in front of everybody, all the bishops from the Roman Empire, St. Nicholas rears back and lays Arius out with a left hook. That's right. Santa punched a dude right in the mouth. Now, I've heard of Deck the Halls before, but never Deck the Heretical Bishop. That's pretty good, isn't it? I love that story because there, there's a realness to it, isn't it? There's just, just a, something just real about that. Now, of course, no one would here, I hope, would advocate just going up and punching someone in the mouth to get something done. But that meeting, more specifically that moment, turned out to be really, really pivotal, even to you. That meeting came to be known as the Council of Nicaea. And from that came this document that we call, still call, the Nicaean Creed. You may be familiar with it. You may have, had, you may have grown up in a denominational church. You may have had to memorize the Nicaean Creed. The Nicaean Creed is basically a statement of belief. 
It's a statement of belief that we've held on to throughout church history. And the whole purpose of that creed, that statement of belief, is to communicate and remind us of the centrality and the purpose of Jesus. That Jesus' birth, his death, his resurrection is the center of everything. That Jesus' birth, his death, his resurrection is what reconnects you and me back to God. That Jesus' birth, his death, his resurrection, that Jesus' life is a statement of how loved you really are and how much worth you really have in the eyes of the Creator, God. Which is really what I came to remind you of on this Christmas Sunday. If you've been with us this month, we've been looking at Matthew's version of the Christmas story. Matthew is one of the four gospel writers, one of the four biographers of Jesus. And as Matthew introduces us to Jesus, the Messiah, he begins with this huge list of names, this genealogy, this family tree of Jesus. And it's a bunch of names, like I said a minute ago, the hard to pronounce. We don't know who a lot of them are, but when you look at the stories behind the names, there's a lot there. Because some of these stories got pretty messy. We've talked about a couple of those the last few weeks. Some of these people were really, really messed up. Some of these people were really broken. None of them were perfect. And I think that's a great reminder to you and to me that behind every name, there's a story. And that's true of you, too. Behind your name, there's a story. You are not just a name. You are not just a face in the crowd. Your life is a story that God is telling. And when God tells your story, you have incredible value. You have unbelievable worth. Well, since it's Christmas Sunday, today I want to look at the, the end of this list the very end, uh, very specifically look at the young woman who was chosen to be Jesus' mother. Let me pick up the list here in Matthew chapter 1. Let me begin reading at verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Now watch how Matthew just switches right from this list of genealogy right to narrative. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So Matthew finally takes us to the part of the Christmas story that we've heard before. I want you to try to imagine just for a moment, just, just for a moment, what Mary must have been feeling. Not, not only on that first Christmas, but in the days, even the years to follow. It's not like, you know, God sent a message out and was looking for volunteers for the job like I just did for nursery workers. There wasn't a sign-up sheet 
for this role that Mary is in. There wasn't, you know, if we're doing this today, there'd be a reality TV show like America's Got Talent or or The Voice to choose the mother of God. There was none of that. So there would have to have been some insecurity in this moment. This woman was young, probably still a teenager. She would have been insecure about herself, about what was happening in her world. Self-confidence, self-awareness are not terms we often associate with teenage girls or with teenagers in general. And it wasn't like God consulted her on this thing. There was no, all right, Mary, here's my proposal. You think it over for a couple days. I'll have my people talk to your people. There was none of that. Instead, God just places this responsibility on this young girl's shoulders. Now, I, 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 I don't want to take anything away from Mary. She is certainly one of the most courageous and important human beings who ever walk on this planet. But I also know this. She was human. She had fear, just like the rest of us do. She had to deal with a lot of pressure. I mean, an angel comes and says, Mary, you are going to give birth to this child. He is going to save the people from their sins. He is going to be the hope of the world. That's a lot of pressure to get this right. It's hard enough to be a parent, but to be the parent to the hope of the world? I've got two kids. Most of you know them. It, It truly is. Being a dad truly is the greatest blessing of my life. But it is also the hardest job that I've ever had. And there are so many moments as a dad, as a parent, that I wonder, am I doing this right? There are so many times that I feel like I'm just making this up as I go. And you know why I feel that? Because I'm just making this up as I go. When I got my driver's license, I had to take a test. When I got my college diploma, I had to take a lot of tests. When I got a baby, there was no test. No certification. Have you ever had a moment with, with your kids where you think, I probably should stop saving for their college fund and start saving for their therapist fund? <laughs> because they're going to have a lot of things to tell their therapist about how much I've messed them up and what I've put them through. Listen, as awesome as my kids are, and, and they are, as awesome as my kids are, and as much as I think they're going to do great things, and as much as I think they both have the potential to really change the world, I am confident that neither one of them is the Messiah. Now, the grandparents may disagree with me, but I'm confident they're not the Messiah. So it's easy to imagine that Mary had her moments, isn't it? Moments where she wondered, did, did, did God pick the right girl? Why am I doing this? Moments, moments when she lost her temper with a toddler. You've done that. Moments when toddler Jesus wasn't cooperating. She's, you know, she's trying to get him in the bathtub and get in here, young man. He's just like walking around on top of the water. That's an old joke. You got that right. That's an old, old joke, all right? I think Mary had those moments. Moments of frustration. Moments when she wrestled. Moments when she wrestled with the same three big questions that you and I wrestle with. Questions that are always in the back of my mind. Questions that are always there. I suspect they're in your mind, too. Three big questions, I think, that really mark us as humans. Three big questions we have to wrestle with that kind of sums up the whole human experience that we wrestle with on the inside. I think the first question that Mary was wrestling with beginning that evening that the angel came and announced this news to her, I think the first question was simply, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Oh, she wanted to have the faith she wanted to be obedient to what it was that God was asking her to do. 
But you know she had to have just been questioning what was going on. And can I just ask you today, on this Christmas Sunday, our next to last Sunday of 2021, as we wrap up a year, we get ready to launch into a new year, can I ask you that question? In, in any area of your life right now, are you asking this question? Why is this happening? Maybe it's something that you're currently wrestling with. Maybe it's something that happened over the past 12 months. Maybe it's something you've been trying to deal with for years or even decades now. Why did that happen? Where was God in that moment? Why am I going through this? Is God trying to punish me? Did I make the wrong decision here? And I think that Mary was asking that, which leads us very quickly to the second question. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do now? Or, or maybe, what am I supposed to do next? So here I am in this moment. What do I do? What is God's will for my life? What decision should I make? What job should I take? Where should we move? Oh, there's just a huge number of decisions in front of you right now. And what do I do next? Which brings us to the third question. A question we wrestle with, even if we never verbalize it, because we may be afraid to verbalize this question. But that third question, I think we all, it's in the back of all our heads, is, am I enough? Am I enough? Now, am I really enough? Not, it's not a question of what I can do. It's not a question of what I can accomplish. It's not a question of what I can earn. It's not a question of who I know. But the question is, am I enough? Do I have worth just because of who I am? Am I loved unconditionally? I think we're afraid to even ask that question. And I would say that all three of those questions really define what it means to be human. And the answer to those questions, as we answer those questions, I believe becomes a defining moment in our lives. The answer to these questions, it's an opportunity for us to cling to hope. It's an opportunity for us to grow. It's an opportunity for us to know why we are here. But if we don't handle these questions well, those are opportunities for condemnation and self-doubt and self-depreciation, and we begin to maybe feel worse about ourselves, or we begin to spiral down into a really, really dark place. But when God put on skin, and Jesus was born in that, that oh-so-familiar nativity scene. God gives us the answers to those questions. When Jesus came, God was making a statement of your infinite worth, your value. And he would say, I have not come to condemn you, I have not come to be those voices in your head that, you, that would tell you you're not enough and you're not good enough. Jesus would say, I've actually come to lighten the load. God would come to say, you're, you're not alone in this space and in this place. We're reminded of this in John chapter 3. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. I love how John phrases this. God didn't send Jesus in the world to, to judge, to condemn, 
God didn't send Jesus in the world to, to tell you how bad you are. He says, God sent Jesus in the world to save. And that's important. That's important because there isn't anything that we can do to save ourselves. We needed a Savior, even when we wouldn't admit it. We are reminded of that even in the names of Jesus. Did you see the names of Jesus in this passage that we read in Matthew 1? There's three names that, that, that Matthew, Matthew gives us, these names of Jesus. Did you know that the, the first name, Jesus, you know this name. Do you know that name literally means God saves God says, this is what the name Jesus literally means. And you know that Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name or his middle name, right? Christ means, it's a, it's a title. It means the anointed one. It means one who has been set apart for a task. What's the task that Jesus was set apart for? Oh, it was to save. That, that's the name Jesus. God saves. That's why Jesus was here. So right there in Jesus' names, Jesus Christ is God saves, and that's the task, that's the job, the title for which he came. There's a third name for Jesus in our passage. It might be my favorite. And it's the name of Jesus. We pay a lot of attention to it Christmas time. We even sang a moment ago, Come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God is with us. In other words, God doesn't save at a distance. He doesn't just look down and jump, zap, oh, you're saved, zap, you're, no, no, no. God doesn't stand back and say, I, I don't want to get your mess on me. You're too messed up. Stay, keep that away from me. I don't want to be unclean like you. No, God doesn't say that. God is willing to jump in to our humanity. God was willing to jump into our world head first, which is what this family tree in Matthew 1 is all about. God working through imperfect people so because he came for imperfect people. You ever tried to save somebody at a distance? It doesn't work. If a toddler falls into a swimming pool, what's the most effective way to save them? You jump into the pool and pull them out of the water, right? That's, you don't stand at the side and cheer them on. You're not just rooting for moral support for that little two-year-old who doesn't know how to swim in the deep end. The most effective way to save is to jump in. That's the name Emmanuel. God jumped in. I love this story I came across of this grandfather on Christmas Eve. Goes over to his daughter's house to celebrate with the family. He can't wait to be there to see his daughter, his son-in-law. He can't wait to be there. But most importantly, this granddad is excited because he gets to go see his two-year-old grandson. And granddad can't wait to get his arms around this kid. He doesn't get to see him very often. Can't wait to get his arms around this kid, spoil him with presents and with Christmas and with love. And so when grandpa arrives at the house with a car full of wrapped presents for this two-year-old, he walks into the house to, greet, to be greeted, hopefully, by his grandson and his daughter. He walks into the house, and he hears the grandson in the other room just screaming his lungs out, just screaming holy terror. So naturally, the grandfather just wants to go in and pick up the young boy and just comfort him and tell him, Grandpa's here, it's okay. But the daughter stops him. No, 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 Dad, you can't do that. Dad, no, he's in timeout. What? He's in timeout. He's been misbehaving. He's kind of out of control. We put him in the pack and play. He's in timeout. He has to be there by himself for a few minutes. I'll let you know when you can go into the other room and get him. Well, this granddad, you know, he, he doesn't like that a bit. He doesn't get to see his grandson very often. He can't wait to get in, in and get his hands on the kid. And it's Christmas. For, for, for goodness sakes, it's Christmas. Let me get my hands on Dad, no, Dad, no, Dad. Every part of him wants to go in and be with the boy. So he waits. The daughter goes back to the kitchen. 
a few minutes pass, she notices the two-year-old boy has calmed down. He's no longer screaming. There's no more crying. There's no more temper tantrum. So she decides to go check in on the little boy to see what's going on, you know, before Grandpa can get in there. And so as she turns the corner and peeks around the corner, what does she see? Well, Grandpa didn't go get the boy out of the pack and play. But she sees her father, the Grandpa, has climbed into the pack and play and is sitting there with the boy, comforting him. This thing is threatening to explode. The seams are bursting on itself. And there sits Grandpa, holding, comforting his grandson, saying, if I can't pull him out, then I'll go in there and be with him. I love that story. Because that is just the heart of our Father. The nativity is God's statement that yes, yes, you have infinite worth. Yes, you have value. Yes, you are more loved than you can possibly imagine. And if you don't believe me, I'm coming in head first to be with you. It's because of the birth of Jesus Christ. God put on skin and came into our world so that you could know that you are more loved than you could possibly imagine. You are more valuable than you have ever known. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we we might need to confess that that we've forgotten what this story is all about, the story of the birth of Jesus. We, we get confused. We, we admit it. We confess it. We, we wrap ourselves up with so much planning and shopping and traveling and gift-giving with so much decorating and card-writing and partying that, that we haven't left any time just to, just to sit in the dark, just to sit in the silence and to contemplate Emmanuel to give thanks for this one that changed the world to give thanks that you put on skin and you dove in head first into our humanity oh God we've, we've celebrated so many Christmases and yet we, we still need you to remind us what this is all about to turn us around to set us in the right direction for in the fullness of time, when, when just the right time, you came as an infant, confounding the wise, encouraging the faithful, so that you might know us, live as us, teach us, heal us, save us. 